Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guys Tevin and Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglitori, and we have the pleasure of having professional football player and former NDSU standout CJ Smith with us today. How's it going, CJ? Man, good. Appreciate you guys having me. We appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing in this pandemic? Man, I'm trying to trying to survive, trying to stick to routine, but it's, it's tough. <laughs> you and the wife staying active? Are you guys doing anything that, that's helping you pass the time, getting in shows? Man, we're we're going crazy over here. Um, we we have like what a thousand square feet to share between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, my my wife is in the room. Um, I'm working, but yeah, we we try to read, um, watch TV shows. I heard Ozark is is pretty dope. So, oh yeah, you for sure gotta check that out. It's yeah. worth the watch. It's worth the, the watch. First the first is then the third one kind of tails off, but yeah, definitely watch Ozarks. Okay, man. All right. Okay, Tevin. You've been eating them weights, huh? You've been eating them weights. You've been doing some push-ups. You know, quarantine, you know, got your out here trying to keep it up a little bit. You and Zach been getting it in, huh, with them dumbbells. <laughs> no, we found uh, some guy, like, was just randomly selling a bunch of dumbbells. And so we went over to, like, uh, Crystal or some shit like that and found found a bunch of weights and stuff. I was like, I need to get my ass back in the gym. We started looking like Zach before too long. Yeah, man. For sure. What books you and the wife reading? Oh, man. See, I was actually kind of prepared for that question. So I'm going to pull out my iPad <laughs> and I'm going to look. <laughs> so let me, it's like, I wouldn't be able to think about it at the top of my head. Um, okay. Let me check it out. But I've been reading, like, when I read, um, I'm sure a lot of you guys do the same thing. I read multiple books at one time. Like, I can't just focus on yeah. one book at a time. Right. Um, it's kind of hard, especially with all this good information out here. But um, right now I have How to Change Your Mind by Michael Poland, um, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, Never Split the Difference, which is like a negotiation book. Um, How to Feel that Almost Everything and Still Went Big uh, is by Scott Adams, who is a famous hypno hypnosis, a hypnotist. Um, really good information in that book. Um, favorite books, uh, The Power of Now, Siddhartha. Um, the Alchemist. Yeah, yeah, The Alchemist is a really good one. Um, yeah, man, I got a bunch of books on here that I'm just constantly fl flipping through. Have you have you always been like a big reader like that, or was it something more once you kind of got to like the NFL and trying to educate yourself more of like on the business side of minds, like the mindset of like GMs and stuff? Is that where you started to read, or has always kind of been a passion? Um, man, I hated reading. I hated reading. My wife was the one who actually got me into reading, and it's a it's a long backstory to this. If you guys want to hear it, um, yeah, of course, you jump right in. So, my first year in the NFL, um, it was it was a real struggle for me. I was struggling, and I actually quit. Like, I called my agent. And I was like, "Yo, like I'm done. Like I want to go home. I I just can't do this. I was under so much stress and anxiety. I was yeah. getting real burnt. I was falling down in practice. Anything that could happen bad was happening to me." Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm done. I couldn't handle it. I was super, I had so much anxiety. I was up all night. And then um, I was like, dude, like, what can I do to relieve this, like, this feeling of anxiety? Yeah. So my wife been recommending this book for a year now. And I'm like, dude, I don't read. Like, this, I'm a college athlete. I'm not reading. <laughs> like, what the heck? Um, <laughs> read my textbooks. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can barely read those. So I'm going to read this one. But um, she, um, 
she referred this book to me. It's called The Power of Now. So I started reading this book, um, one of my lowest points of life, read it, um, started to take things day by day, hour by hour, second by second, um, decided to continue to play. Um, luckily, my agent didn't call my coach and told him that I quit. So um, after that, like, I just hit like a zone. Like, um, I was really just, the book just helped that put things into per perspective. And um, after that, I started reading so much more, um, a lot more self-development books, um, business books, uh, any type of book. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. man. I know Q's a pretty big reader, too. I know you got quite the collection over there. Is there any of them? Have you read any of these books he's talking about? Do you have any you recommend as well? Uh, the Alchemist, I, I read that. Um, some of them I, I haven't read before, but they're definitely on my list. Um, as he was saying, a lot of self-development, um, kind of we kind of have a little correlation I see because going into college, I wasn't the biggest reader either. And I was just like, I need something else to do other than just sitting on video games all day. Like I need to just soothe my mind. Cause uh, I heard you, you play some games as well. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that can be stressful at times too. You can get anxiety from, you know, getting killed too much. KD <laughs> ratio isn't, isn't where it should be You're losing a Madden or 2k. Like, you know, it's like you can get stressed over small things like that, but you just need something that can relax you. You can just sit back and just soothe your mind. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So I did some digging on you, though. You're from Savage. Is that true or not? Man, I'm from Burnsville. Then why, <laughs> no. why, is, is it true <laughs> or no? It's Savage is basically right next to Burnsville. So um, I grew I up live in Burnsville. Savage. Did, did I, I live out here. Yeah. So that's why I thought it was funny. I'm like, why, why are you from Savage but then chose Burnsville? That's okay. Yes. Yeah. I went to Burnsville High School. I grew up in Burnsville, but uh, like the last like couple of years of high school, my mom and us we moved to Savage, right by that um that Sonic. Right on. Right. So you that is damn near Burnsville. That's yeah. not even really sad. Okay, that makes more sense. I was asking Tevin off the air. I'm like, yo, this man was right in Savage Fire Lake. Why do you choose Burnsville over Savage? And the other thing is, a lot of people actually try to open and roll into Prior Lake over Burnsville. So I was yeah. wondering. What the correlation was there? Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You want to talk a little bit about some of your high school accolades and some of the things you did back then? Um, high school, man, we sucked. <laughs> I was on varsity my sophomore year. Um, I barely played. I wanted to quit again. Um, I was going to transfer to Edina. We won one game. We lost the game 75 to zero. Um, it, it was horrible. Junior year, same thing. We won one game. Um, and then senior year was a little bit better, but, um, high school football wise, uh, I didn't get recruited until the summer going into my senior year. Um, this is when I got my first offer and my only offer. Um, yeah, that was, I, I didn't do good my sophomore year, didn't do good my junior year. And then I did, did pretty well to get off from issue my senior year. So yeah, that's, that's crazy how that works out. Cause like I was kind of the same situation where like my high school team, we weren't as bad as you guys sound like, <laughs> but we, were, we weren't that great. And yeah, like going into the senior year, like it was that camp, uh, like the whatever senior camp at NDSU where like I finally like put myself on their radar. And I remember sitting in my coach's office, sending out tapes on DVD to all these coaches. And yeah, NDSU, they kind of offered, not, they didn't even offer you, but like got in contact with me late as well in the process. Was it, was they even on your radar at that time? Like where was your, hell your no. I don't know if I, can I cuss on here? I don't know, but yeah, yeah. you can cuss. You can cuss. Man, hell no. That was, <laughs> I didn't even know what North Dakota was. I, even though I'm from Minnesota, I had no clue what North Dakota was about. 
but I knew they offered me a scholarship and I knew I didn't have to pay for college. So I was like, yes, I'm going there. Right. Yeah. You get to play indoors and not outside in the cold. Like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I remember I went on my visit there and they had just gotten smacked, like lost. I remember we're staying in the locker room after the game, like in a little press area and, uh, standing with my mom and just seeing all these depressed players like Pat Shaw sitting on like the training table like looks like he's about to cry because they just been getting waxed all season my mom like looks at me and she's like I don't think you want to go here. Like, <laughs> don't look happy at all I was like no I can there's something about this place like this is gonna be it's gonna be special yeah they were they were sorry when we yeah when we for sure championships at least for that year or so Mm-hmm. Bringing it bringing it back a little bit back to high school though, you did rush for seventeen hundred yards, sixteen TDs. Was that your senior year? Yeah, that was just my senior year. Geez, so you did have a good year individually. Yeah, I had a pretty good year individually, but I mean, they gave me the ball so many times every game, so it was, it was like inevitable almost. Do you feel like staying there hurt you with your recruitment then? Um, everything happens for a reason. So, I mean, I can't really say, but I did like, I was going, I was so close to transferring to Edina. Um, my life probably would have turned out a little bit different. Who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have made it to NFL. Maybe I would have. Okay. Okay. If you're good enough, they're going to, coaches are going to find you. They have yeah. so many coaches out there recruiting where, yeah, it doesn't, usually it doesn't make too big of a difference what high school you go to. Yeah. Well, cream usually rises to the top. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Is that where you went? Uh, me? No, I went to St. Thomas. I, I, I was a, I, I was somebody who never turned into what I was supposed to be. I had a lot of injuries, and my, my biggest highlights in my life was just messing up Tevin all the time. That was all I ever did. <laughs> I get to always hang my head, you know, high, knowing that I was always a little bit better than him. Yeah, for a sure. Faster, a little bit better, than him, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit shorter though. I'll give him that. But no, I, I never turned into much of an athlete. Um, I went to St. Thomas. I had an academic scholarship over there. And, yeah, I just went the D3 route. My grandfather sat me down. He goes, look, man, you're probably not going to the NFL. <laughs> and I was like, probably should go get a good education. And then that's just how it, the cookie crumbled for me. Man, St. Thomas is a great school. That's where my wife went. Um, what do you great think school. about them going D1? Um, I think – it could be amazing for a lot of the other sports. I think it's going to be something that's going to be really tough for the football team for a few years. And I, mm-hmm. I think they have to, I think for the football team, they might have to go like a few years D2 before they can actually make the full jump, which would be helpful. But yeah. man, that yeah. D1 jumps could be crazy. It is hard when you got that many guys. Yeah. You know, in today's age with basketball, you'd be able to get a few recruits and compete potentially. You know, there's a good chance you could get guys to stay, you know, in that realm. But as far as the football side, I don't know how they'd be able to make that jump. I mean, we, we did well in football because a lot of our, our guys were transfers from the U of M. Mm-hmm. You know, cast-offs that were D1 prospects. I don't know how they, the big boys that come with them programs, though. I don't know. What do you think? They just got to steal the recruits that NDSU is getting. Like, I love NDSU, don't get me wrong. But if I had the option between St. Thomas and NDSU – like, come on now. There's no doubt in my in St. Thomas. You just stayed home. You had a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. You would go to St. Thomas over NDSU? If right, I'm, right now, right now, if, okay, NDSU won some championships, so that's totally different. Right. But um, say, say NDSU didn't win those, the last championship, and I was getting recruited by St. Thomas. And okay, NDSU. yeah. yeah choosing, like a, what yeah. I know now, I'm choosing St. Thomas. Yeah. I, as, as, like, a Minnesota kid, yeah, yeah, I'd rather go to St. Thomas, but like, there's still something about going to Fargo, and like, that's the that's the only squad there. Like, 
you oh, we yeah, were for like sure. a professional team. Like there's something about just that atmosphere of a true college town as opposed to just being in Minneapolis. How'd the Agreed. campus stack up? Uh, NDSU and St. Thomas? Yeah. Um, I've never been to NDSU's campus. <laughs> it's tiny. I mean, now it's probably nice and new, but when I was there, it was tiny. Like, you can get across campus in 15 minutes easily. Easy. Really? You Easy. can't do that at St. Thomas. And St. Thomas is all new now. It's, yeah, St. Thomas is nice, man. It's super crazy. Um, we could talk off camera about your experience with your wife there and all that, too, but I, I want to bring it back to your football career. Um, when you did get to NDSU, was it? Were you always planning on being a DB since you were running back before? I mean, you did both in high school. You probably never came off the field. Is that kind of and always your game plan? I my coach in high school always told me that I was going to play DB, and I didn't believe him. Like, dude, no, I'm either a running back or a receiver. Um, when I got there, I was just so excited to have a scholarship. Honestly, I didn't care what I played. <laughs> I was just too excited, man. But they ended up putting me at DB, and um, I'm thankful they did because I couldn't take the punishment that any running back or receiver takes. So. Oh God! Yeah. I think you made the the right move long term for sure. Were you, were you always enthusiastic about playing DB? Like when you still obviously you're excited for a scholarship, but then like the backfield that you were a part of, the no fly zone. I mean, yeah. Marcus Williams in the league, mm-hmm. like Champ, Colvin, uh, mm-hmm. Dudzik, Higgs. It's like you guys were stacked at DB. It was like it wasn't like you were just gonna come in play right away. You had to really earn your way up. Like, did that affect kind of like your mindset and how you approached practice and, and going to college? Man, so the story here that I'm going to keep on saying is I wanted to quit. I, I, I wanted to quit every day. <laughs> so my, my freshman year, my roommate actually did quit. And so um, when you have people around you who are talking about quitting co- consistently, oh, yeah. obviously it's going to get into your head too. So only thing I was thinking about was quitting. Um, and luckily I stayed. I didn't play my first year. Um, redshirted my second year. was only on special teams. Um, and then third year I was fortunate enough to play. But, yeah, that um, that had a huge impact on – like my me as a person in my career um especially when you're going you're coming from being the best on your team in high school till you get to college and like you're not um and then even if you are good athletically you have to learn the playbook and that's a lot of the game is mentally now um so just dealing with that aspect of the game it was tough for me my first couple years when you came in from high school were you typically just a returner or were you now being a gunner what were you doing on special teams when you first came in man um front line on kickoff return <laughs> uh kickoff i'm the bullet so on kickoff i'm the guy who just runs down into the big wedge the big guys and trying to like i do it i'm about to it's they, not, like you're breaking equipment. Like you're trying to they, break they, the chinch. Like, with that same, with that same thing, we were standing. I remember like it was the first practice, and it was like me, Vra, Coop, like a bunch of receivers standing there. And the coach comes over. He's like, uh, "Hey, who hasn't had a concussion?" Mm. And so a couple guys <laughs> like raise their hand. Like, "Oh, I've never had a concussion, coach." And he's like, "All right, you perfect. You guys are in this drill." <laughs> was, uh, so I remember I'm standing out there, and like I'm you'll get them in trouble, Tevin. I'm fourth in line and like right. practice for people that don't know like there was like a clock for because practice was broken down into periods and so when it started blinking you had about five or 30 seconds left before mm-hmm. it went to the next one so you could get to your next drill and so I see the clock and I know like we're almost to the end of this period so we're hell yeah after this I'm like I probably ain't even gonna have to go like, I'm good <laughs> like it gives up to me one more person from me clocks blinking and I'm like okay yep 
buzzes. I try to jog off the field and I think it was Coach Redros. He's like, no, 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 Tevin, you got to get yours too. And so the drill was like the wedge came together 20 yards away. They would sprint at you and then you had to just run at them and try to split the wedge. Like no point to this drill. And and so like, I remember he blows the whistle. They start chopping their feet. It was uh, a Grothman and Vandal. Like these two big, like they're like probably each like 260 at least. I'm 190. Like I'm not about to do nothing to these seniors. They like uh, start running towards me. I think I'm going to get a jump, go a little early. Coach is like, nah, hold on. Got to wait. Got to wait. He waited until they got like seven yards away. I got one and like a half step in. And the next thing I know, like my feet are above my head in the air. Like I jump up right away because I'm like, I just got to get up fast. And I'd like dizzy jog over. Uh, Coop, he finally was like, Tevin, he's like, I ain't going to lie. You did get up fast at least. Like, <laughs> you, got, you got up. He's like, I don't know if I would have got up. <laughs> yeah, for they sure. Try to, they try to play you with the wedge stuff. That's a, no joke. They do. They do. I have so many, like, you brought back so many memories of the clock blinking and it's practice almost being over and me slowly walking to the back of the line. Like, I'm not <laughs> for real. So, did you have to do that every year or is it just the one year with NDSU? So, the first two years. First two years? Yep. Okay, because I'm was i going to get into that later on when we get to the pro level. Um, mm-hmm. When you finally got your shot, then you took over that starting role. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really left a mark. You ended up being second in your school's history, all-time cornerback, behind only Marcus Williams. What's that? Like, you got to be proud about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely proud about that. But I had so many good people around me at NDSU that just paved the way for me and taught me so much. Um, being around Marcus – is it was crazy um to see just to see him like play was just insane like he made oh, yeah. so many plays you can go online and look at his college highlight tape i think he's like the all-time leader in interceptions i think he is actually i think you are fourth all-time in the whole conference and he's number one yeah so that yeah. is that's just like every game i'm watching this dude is getting a pick six so i'm like these these are high ass standards like i don't know like what i gotta do to like try to play like this or anything I'm just going to follow his lead and then we had good coaches on top of that so but yeah I am proud of that um and I think the the people who paved the way are proud of that too yeah what what was that DB room like during during watching film and stuff as you guys are out there making all these plays is there like a lot of back and forth where like obviously Will's gonna support you you're gonna support him but it's like oh you should have had that one or missed opportunities things behind the scenes that maybe not everybody's aware of yeah so we always man if you Zach can attest to this. So if he's back there, just ask him, man, if you drop uh, interception in practice, you, you are getting it. Uh, stone hands, whatever we got to call you, man, <laughs> you're, you're getting all time and beatings, everything. So um, that, that friendly competition, um, always stand on each other's backs. We are all real cool on and off the field. I think that helped um, like elevate us as a DB, DB group in our team. Yeah. So the competition's always friendly, though, like you said. Did you ever have any crazy stories? Um, We had on Trey Waynes a little bit ago, and he talked about how Coach Zim threw on the boxing gloves on a guy so he couldn't be grabbing, or, like, blinders, like horse blinders on the helmet so they couldn't be cheating and stuff like that. You guys ever have any weird, crazy experiences like that? Ah, man. Man, I don't don't think so, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, man, I I can't think of any off the top of my head. If I do, we'll have to come back to that. No other favorite moments during that time? Man, I have some some different stories. I remember we were in practice. Um, you guys know who Chris Board is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he plays in the NFL, uh, plays for the Ravens. We were in practice, and we were playing a team that just ran the ball, like, all the time. It was like Georgia Southern or something like that. And so we had to practice tackling. 
and um, we're doing live tackling drills in practice. Dumb. Um, and Chris Board, this dude's like 230, linebacker. I'm like 175 probably at the time, and I have to tackle him. He's just running straight. And so I dive. <laughs> I, I, I try to tackle him with all my might, my, my shoulder, my poor shoulder, dislocates <laughs> in practice. Oh, man. <laughs> and the funny thing is, so as Zach, again, yeah. he should just be on his podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> should bring Zach in here. <laughs> the, the play before this, Zach act like he got hurt. When he tackled somebody, hold on, like, hold on, say that again, say that again. So Zach acts like act like he got hurt the play before. So the next play, I'm up. I go to tackle Chris Board. I actually get hurt. I dislocate my shoulder. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm hurt. Everybody thinks I'm faking, and I'm not. <laughs> my shoulder's just hanging by the side, like oh. So then they try to pop it back in place. They can't, so they have to call another doctor. So I'm just sitting there at practice, like. 10, 15 minutes, my shoulder dislocated. This is the first time. Yeah, drill. All because yeah. Zach wanted to fake an injury. <laughs> All because Zach wanted to fake an injury. He I'll just do the drill right. That's it. Man. Um, Never forgive him for that. <laughs> yeah, so that's one crazy story. Um, man, there's so many stories where, dang, I know I know there's some good ones. Man, me and Crockett got into a fight one day at practice. Nah, stop. <laughs> what did you guys get into a fight about? Man, so you know Croc, man. I wish he was here, <laughs> but you know Croc, Croc. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one on offense that that's really turned up on defense. We had all the guys who, oh yeah, get under his skin. Mm-hmm. And so, um, man, I forgot, I forgot really what happened. I think he like pushed one of the guys on the defense at practice. One of the younger guys, right? That wasn't going to stick up for themselves, and so I had came in and pushed him, and then <laughs> <laughs> got it on right there. And then. Right. And that's yeah, because Crockett obviously very outgoing, and he was more or less like it was such a weird dynamic because the team obviously the defense is kind of what carried NDSU. Like they were known for their defense in the running game, and then Crockett was the face of the running game in the offense, and he's this bigger than life personality. So then, like to see that kind of like clash during practices and stuff like that was very very unique because yeah, you get just these two things that think they're the man. Like you said, when you come in and stand, he, you got to stand up for your side of the ball. And then yeah. he's like, he's trying to tell the whole offense, like, no, you can't let them punk us. Otherwise it's going to be a long season. So let's, yeah, let's get after it. Exactly. And that's the, that's what really made us good too, is when we got back into the locker room, you know, we dap it up. We're all good. Like, oh, yeah. family, so um, that was a good part. We didn't Coaches take it personally. love that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. As long as it doesn't go past a certain point like everybody it's always love when you get back into the locker room but between the lines nah I hate you guys and you guys hate me yeah for sure <laughs> um through throughout that you had five championships can you tell us what that was like oh man that was hectic I told you I came from a high school where we we lost every game my sophomore year one game my junior year and maybe four games my senior year so coming from a losing program um to day one winning almost every game was insane. Um, it was awesome. I got to see some great players come through NDSU and then get to get my opportunity to help lead the team to a couple more championships was amazing. Um, and it can't ever be done again. Only They only get five again, so they only can match history. So that's kind of awesome, too. That's super cool. Um, after your career happened there, can you tell us what your pre-draft process was like? Um, pre-draft process. So right after the championship game in January, um, I drove. So our championship game was in uh, Texas. Uh, it was in near Dallas. So right after that, drove straight to Houston to train. Um, me and my girlfriend, which is my wife now, um, we were down there for three months. 
um, right away I had all-star game. Um, so I left Houston, um, drove back to Dallas, had an all-star game, came back to train again. Next thing you know, I get a late invite to another all-star game. The NFL PA game was there for three days, played in that. Um, and then pro day started training for pro day, um, pro day came. I did pretty well at pro day. Um, and obviously we had Carson and, and Joe Hag. So those two guys were projected to get drafted. Obviously Carson went second overall right. and Joe Hag, um, I think he went in third or fourth round. So we had a lot of scouts there. Um, and I think what, what actually kind of put me on was when Carson gave me a shout out on, on live TV. I think he was like that guy right there. He can play in the NFL. Um, and so the next day, I drove home right after pro day. Right after pro day, I drove home, and then the, the next day, my agent called me. It was like, "Yeah, the Eagles are working out uh, Carson and Joe Hag, and they want to work you out too in a private workout." So I'm like, "Oh man, cool!" So I, I just drove all the way back to the city. So I'm like, "Fuck it, I just got to go back." So I go, all, I go all the way back. I stay with Zach, um, and we. I had a private workout, uh, and I did. I think I did pretty well. Doug, Doug Peterson, the head coach, he was actually the one throwing to me. Um, while, while I was doing it, yeah. And so the owner was there. Everybody was there, head coach. None of the defensive staff were there. So I'm like, obviously, they're all there for Carson. Yeah. So they recorded the, um, recorded the workout. And then after, um, my agent calls me and is like, yeah, they, they're really interested in you. If you don't get drafted, then I think that's the spot where you're going to be at. So I pretty much already knew where I was going to be. Um, knew I probably wasn't going to get drafted. <clears throat> so ended up signing with the Eagles. Um, a lot of my teammates, they tell me this story. I wasn't there on the first day because I was getting MRIs and everything like that. And they were all like the 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 D coach at the time was making fun of me because they thought I just signed because I'm friends with Carson. Obviously, that's what everybody thought. <laughs> and I was there to like I don't know, be, make them comfortable or something. And me and Carson aren't like <laughs> close friends. <laughs> so I'm like, um, so that was like that's how everybody seen me coming in and I didn't have a chance to even like prove myself right away. And I would just had that. And so, um, that just played into like, I'm getting interviews questions left and right. Like my locker's packed. Like I'm a superstar player and they're all just asking me questions about Carson. I'm like, does that, <laughs> that get old and like mess yeah, with your, it's with old. Your I'm like, dude, I'm like here, I'm an undrafted free agent. I get no respect. I'm trying to fight for my life out here. Man. <laughs> and you, you start making stuff up with their questions. Just that throwing yeah. up stuff. Like, dude, I don't know. Like we're, I'm friends with Carson. Okay. But I'm not good friends with him. He's not my best friend. Yeah. I don't yeah. know anything personal about this dude like that. You should have been like, <laughs> his favorite color is pink. <laughs> yeah. I know what his favorite flower is too. Just start messing, trolling all of them, man. But that's the thing: the Philly media is tough. They won't let you get by by doing stuff like that. <laughs> it kind of like backing up a little bit when going through the pre-draft process, and like you said, you kind of always had that underdog mentality. When did it come, become real that you're like, oh, I can actually make it to the NFL? Like this is actually something that isn't just a dream anymore. Um. My last few games um, in college um, mm -hmm. is when I feel like I can make it. Uh, my agent, that's when I started talking to who my, who ended up being my agent. Um, and I played really well, like, the last four games. I came back from an injury, and he was just talking to me. He was like, yeah, man, like, you really impressed a lot of people after that. And I was just feeling confident. And all my workouts that I was doing, my pro day, I just felt very confident about everything. And I felt like I could make it. But as soon as I got to the NFL, I didn't feel like I could make it. <laughs> what was the biggest adjustment? Because it sounded, was it like the playbook or was it just like everybody now is the elite of the elite? Like what was the biggest adjustment for you personally? 
uh, confidence. It was just a confidence issue. Once you get into the league, none of it, I think, is just very physical. Everybody's fast. Everybody can run. Everybody can jump. Everybody's strong. Um, but it's the guys who can continue to show up every single day. Every single day you're fighting for your job, especially as an undrafted free agent. You're fighting for your job every day, and that can take a toll on your mental. And so if I'm not performing and I get beat every single day, then I'm thinking about, oh, man, when are they going to cut me? Oh, man, they're working out somebody else. Oh, man, I'm, I'm only getting two reps at practice. So this is the thing that people don't understand for undrafted players is – Every practice, I'm getting two reps, literally two reps at practice, at the end of practice. I'm sitting there cold the whole practice, and I have to know what I'm doing those two reps, or I'm, next practice, I might get one rep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the only opportunity I'm going to get is when somebody gets hurt, and then I start to get more reps. And so um, it's really tough, man, when you're putting all this work in, you're doing all the workouts, you're doing all the, the drills and everything they ask you to do, and you're not, you're not getting a chance. And so that, yeah. that takes a toll on you, too. Yeah. So. Did you did you have anybody that you reached out to, whether it was like former teammates like Mark Will when because he obviously was in the league kind of going through similar situations? Was there anybody that kind of helped mentor you through the early dog days of the NFL? Yeah. Um I, of course Mark Will, I talked to him here and there, but he was busy with his schedule. But I had a mentor. I do have a mentor. His name is Chris Rogers, and um he played in the NFL a long time ago. And he was just coaching me through it. But I was in such a, like a weird place that I didn't even want to talk to him. I was just scared and nervous. Like I was like, man, I'm going to disappoint all the people around me um, and myself. And so I was just really shut out everybody throughout my life. And luckily I had my wife there to help, help get me through those tough times. Yeah. Did the NFL have a mental thing in place? Like a, like a, 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 a way to help you cope with all this that's going on? Yeah, yeah. definitely. They do, but when you're a rookie, I'm, you're probably not going to take advantage of all that, man. No, you think you can? Oh, I can, man, I can, I got this far on my own. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I didn't really pay none of that attention. What was the relationship like with Schwartz, Jim Schwartz? He's a kind of hard-nosed guy, right? Man, a hard-nosed guy. But if I could choose any coach in the NFL that I had, I would choose him. Um, great guy. He's going to play the best players, and. Um, he just he's so detailed and oh man he's a great coach he's a he's a tough person but a great coach and i can only respect a person like that he's, he's ran a lot of really good defenses i mean mm-hmm. he, he does know his stuff um i don't know who your db coach was that year i, I forgot to look that up who, who was that so his name is Corey unlin and he's actually grew up in um north dakota and he actually lived in minnesota too no kidding um, he played hockey growing up and so um and then switch to football. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was my DB coach, funny guy. He always he's cussed me out a few times. Oh, my gosh, especially my rookie year. What was it like in that, that room with uh, Malcolm Jenkins? Uh, intense. And Malcolm is not going to let you slide by. Um, he's yeah. an ultimate leader. Um, he's going to hold you accountable. He's going to lead by example. Because you were there, because obviously Malcolm Jenkins with the whole Colin Kaepernick situation, he was somebody that was very vocal um, with all the kneeling and, and things like that. Did that ever leak into the locker room and cause any friction, or was it kind of just like you guys, hey, man, you're our brother, we support you, and it didn't cause any friction? Yeah, it's some weird stuff that happens in the locker room, man. So there's reporters that they get, like, time to come into the locker room, of course, and we would have a, a, a close meeting together with the whole defense, and then next thing you know – an hour later, all the stuff that we talked about leaked. So obviously somebody in the room <laughs> is giving the news, the news outlet information. 
And so when things like that happen, that's when that's when problems happen um, in the locker room between players and things like that. But obviously they got it figured out because the next year that's when they won the Super Bowl. So yeah, they find out who the snitch was. Um, I think there's some speculation. Uh, I, don't, I don't, man, I forgot. But Somebody yeah, smelling like cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another person I've been wanting to ask you about is Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I mean he's a scary man too. Yep. I don't know, you didn't have him in your room, but, I mean, being on the same defense with him, what was it like interacting with that guy? Because at the time, he was that deal in the league. Yes, beast, man, beast. He's a fun dude, jokester. Just see him in the locker room all the time, play around him, you know. Just don't let him grab you because he will hurt you. Um, But, no, he's a good dude, man. He's just – there's – I don't – I never, like – I can't say like the work that he puts in, but when the lights are on, he shows up. I don't know what he does off the field or his workouts or anything in the off season, but when the lights are on, he shows up and that's pretty much all that matters. And there's only a few guys in the league who, um, who might not look like they're paying attention or might not like, I don't know, look like they're practicing hard or whatever. I'm not saying that's Fletcher, but when the lights are on, there's only a few guys who can go through the motions and perform. Yeah. He's one of them. Do you, do you have a moment that sticks out in your career? Like uh, I was talking to Crockett, and he was telling me about a time in practice when he was with the Packers, where like AJ Hawk came downfield and just absolutely just crushed him. And then like he came back the next play and like hit him, and AJ Hawk came up and dabbed him up. Is there a moment that sticks to you as kind of like a welcome to the NFL moment that you're like, oh, I actually whether it's you know went up and picked off Carson in practice or covered Deshaun Jackson stuff like that that kind of puts you as like, oh, I'm here and I can do this. Uh, yeah, so um, when I decided to quit, um, I actually didn't quit. Um, after that, I just decided to take things day by day. And so after OTAs, I came back home, um, got my mind right, and started to go into um, fall camp or what is it called, um, training camp. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, if this is going to be the last time I play football, then I might as well lay it all out, all out on the line. And I just started to become unconscious at practice. Like I was just bawling out. Like they would call me like, I had my own name for my island. Like <laughs> they were like making drinks for my island. Like it, like, man, it, was, it was insane. Like like Malcolm's dapping me up in practice. All the like all the leaders are taking notice. Yeah. That's what really matters. Um, and so that transitioned to my first game. So the first game of the season, I had like the preseason. I had um, mm-hmm. like three PBUs and a pick to end the game. And so that that was the moment where I was like, okay, like I'm making it. I'm making it this year. I'm making it. Yeah, and especially when, because then now when you get back on the field, like, okay, that's that's home, playing in front of people, and, like, mm-hmm. that's where you're in your elements. You're able to stop thinking and just go out there and execute and really just, like, leave it all out there, like you said. Yeah, exactly. That's what you hope for, that, you, that you're not thinking and you're just out there playing unconscious. And so I think that was one of the moments in my life where um, where it's, it's it happens. It might happen once in a while, but when you're able to get into a zone and you don't really know what's happening or anything and you're just – like just focus and just focus. Um, it can be in sports. It can be in your job. It can be in anything. Um, and that was one of the moments that was cool for me to experience in my life. What, what were some of the one-on-ones like? I mean, you saw Josh Gordon. You saw Kenny Britt. You saw Demarius Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders. You saw yeah. some really good receivers. Mm-hmm. Are they jawjacking you? You talking back? What, what are those practices like? Uh, um, so I'll start with the Browns. Josh Gordon, I'll, 
I'm not gonna lie, I was strapping them up in practice. <laughs> Say differently, but I was stra- obviously it's practice. I wasn't playing, and like practices were the games for me, so I'm cracked right. up. So I was strapping Josh Gordon up, uh, Corey Coleman, roll my eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you just you just uh, disregard. Oh, just disregard, just just disregard him. Um, <laughs> who else? So Manuel Sanders, toughest dude to guard. He's man. He's an ultimate competitor. His feet and yeah, mm-hmm. feet good, routes good, um, smart man. He's just, he's just a really good player. Um, Demarius Thomas, he was he's getting a little older, but mm-hmm. he will catch the ball no matter if he's covered, what, whatever. Like he mossed you a couple times. Nah, not Demarius. Cortland Sutton. Cortland. Anyhow, who's who's the one that mossed you the worst? Cortland Sutton. He his rookie year was my my going into my third year and um. He's he's a beast. I can't lie. He mossed me, um, but he mossed everybody, so it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> um, who who else? Gosh, man, I got mossed so many times in my rookie year in practice. Alshon Jeffrey, yes, he, he he gets up, but he's he's a little slower. So um, all his all his catches are contested. You feel yeah. me? So like you you feel like you're covering him, and they just throw the ball high above you, and he just gets it. So. Um, who else have I covered? I was that uh one on one with D Jack. Oh, I didn't know. I actually didn't cover D Jack. He was <clears throat> yeah, he was there after me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I had an encounter where I, I ran into him at a, a club in Miami, and I'm standing like shoulder to shoulder. I'm like, this dude is small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like five solid five eight, but yeah. he can get up obviously. Man, seeing him play like live, dude, just glides. It's kind of deceiving how fast he can run. Yeah. He's got jets. What was uh? Let's bounce back to the Browns a little bit. You were there when Miles Garrett was there. You were there with the Hugh Jackson ordeal. You were also there, yeah. Christian Kirksley, um, yeah. Joe Peppers, Jamie Collins. There, I mean, there were some good players. I don't know why things could never get put together there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like having Hugh as a coach? <laughs> Man, Hugh, he was a funny guy, man. He he just never kept it real um, with anybody, probably including himself. Really? Um, okay, I can't go that far. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know him like that. Nah, spill it, okay. man. Okay, but no, he wasn't being honest with with anybody. You feel me? There's guys showing up late to meetings, uh, wasn't holding them accountable, and things like that. That's not that's not going to create a winning culture. And that's and that's got to be frustrating for you too, especially coming from NDSU. And I mean, even in Philadelphia, they didn't win the Super Bowl while you were there. But it's still like a winning, traditionally a winning culture. So coming from like NDSU to being now where it's oh, there's no accountability whatsoever. It's like it's got to be hard for you to take it serious and say like, yo, we're not going to win like this. Yeah, exactly. Especially when I was just on the practice squad for a while, and I'm like, dude, like. I feel like I could play right now and like nobody's taking it serious. We're losing every game. Like, why am I not playing in? And so mm-hmm. I took it seriously. That's why I said I was strapping, I was strapping up Josh Gordon in practice. I was strapping up Corey Coleman in practice and just t- trying to take it seriously. And some of the guys went they, like I said, they're showing up late. Um, there's a reason why I, w- I, w- I don't want to say we, but there's a reason why we lost <laughs> every game that year. Um, what yeah. was Sean Kaiser like? Cause he was supposed to be, He's supposed to be something. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to talk bad about people, but <laughs> but um, uh, he was just like an okay player, I guess. 
since I don't play anymore. I can say, yeah, he's an okay player. There's there's a lot of players that go into the league with a lot of hype that don't pan out. And it's just one of those things you either have it or you don't. And Mm -hmm. it's almost more impressive to have like a longer career and kind of as mediocre because it's, you're more likely to get shoveled out that way, whether because Lee always wants to get younger and save money and and yeah. potential than somebody that's that's been there for a while. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, Deshaun was ever... doing picks all day in practice. Was he? <laughs> yes, all day. <laughs> was uh, there ever one on ones with Duke Johnson? Duke, yes. Um, so Duke, I gained Duke's respect um, when I just arrived. It was like the second day of practice second or third day of practice. And I just realized that they, they show like at the in meetings, they show like the the top five or 10 plays from that practice. And I'm like, dude, I got to get on here. This is the only way I'm going to end up playing. <laughs> so I was guarding Duke. He came out, um, it was like empty. And he, um, he ran a, a slant, a slant go. And I ended up covering him and I ended up getting a pick. And so that's when I got his respect because Duke is a shifty ass motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. and so being able to cover him it, it felt pretty good and then like dapping it up with him after and things talking about it it was, it was cool yeah and, and obviously like on the on the field there's a lot of stories about whether it's people you guarded or went up against but like what about the transition off the field of now maybe that you're you know in the nfl you've been in there for a couple of years did you have whether it was friends or family members just people that you didn't even know that now are hitting you up oh man i got this business opportunity like, I want to try and do all these other things. Like, it's not just on the field. You're dealing with a whole whirlwind off the field as well. Yeah, I just stopped replying to people, honestly. <laughs> that's, that's it. I just yeah. didn't reply to anybody. Um, yeah, that's probably pretty much it. You find a bunch of new cousins you never knew you had? Right? Of course. Of course, man. <laughs> Everybody's watching you and watching your pockets and seeing what you're doing, what type of life you're living. And, you know, I just, like I said, stop responding. That's the best way to handle it. Keep your head down and keep grinding. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he just pivoted, but there's two more people I really want to ask about. Yo. Who? I want to ask about Von Miller and Miles oh. Garrett. I want to yes. talk about them. Both good dudes, man. Miles is a good dude. I I um so um we would he's a big um uh, table tennis player and a big a big pool player. So oh, we'd really? always be getting our haircuts in the in the barbershop lounge. He's always in there playing. Um, quiet dude doesn't spend money. Um, his car was just a normal like Audi. I don't even think it was tricked out or anything. He's drafted first overall, so he has bank. Has money. Yeah, has money. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just a good dude, man. He's in the anime. Like I, I seen him uh, at like during the Super Bowl. Like talked to him for a little bit. Just a good guy. Von Miller, same. Like he's he's the life of the party. He's play, playing jokes all the time. You know, some of those dudes can't get in trouble, so. He had like this fart spray and he sprayed it like all in throughout the building, the training facility, in the locker room, in, in the cafeteria, everywhere. And like everybody's like, what the hell is this smell? And like they almost had, they almost had to get get us all out the building so they can remove the smell, man. And like this dude's like, like he can't get in trouble. So it's like it's just funny. Um he's a funny dude, man. He's very funny. But he's a beast though. He works. Bond Bond works, so we're doing conditioning. He throws on the weight vest, like he 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 outworks a lot of people, man. Um, and when you see guys like that, it, it, you see why they they they're at the top of the game and they're all pro and things like that. It helps other people push themselves to do things that they wouldn't normally do, and you see the best player on the team doing it. Yeah, you have no choice but to put in extra work. 
how do you think this pandemic's going to affect the NFL season moving forward? Do you think we're still going to have a season? Man, that's up to science. <laughs> but if we if we do uh, have a season, I think it's going to be tough, tougher for the younger guys um, not to be able to get the actual reps. Um, you only can watch so much film, and I think when you're physically going through the motions, that's when you can actually learn. And so it's going to be tougher on the on the younger guys, I think. Do you think it'd be cool to see the players? I mean, obviously, I don't know. Maybe you would think it's cool. I don't know. But seeing empty stadiums where people are playing? Um, I wouldn't mind it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind it. It would, I, I don't know. I think, I think it would still be the, it, as intense because even when we're practicing and we don't have anybody else watching, practicing against other teams, um, things like that, it, it got really turned up. And so I think it'll still be intense. I think it'll be still be a good show. I really hope it happens. I'm getting scared. I keep hearing reports that they're saying this stuff might be done till 2021. They just reported yeah, yesterday or two days ago that concerts are canceled until fall of 2021. Man, yeah. that's crazy. So I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And then Florida out of nowhere just jumped up saying, hey, NBA, you can play your games here. We're <laughs> free now. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to go on. Yeah. Hopefully you get some football going w- without the fans. Yeah. Oh, or go ahead, Tevin. Oh no! I was gonna I was gonna start transitioning to like your post football career because obviously you're not are you still actively trying to get back into no. teams right yeah so no. what uh, was how was that transition then moving past the NFL and kind of going back into the normal everyday world and tell us what your major was too in college and if that's a part of everything and if you plan yeah. on going back to school or anything or kind of give yeah. us a whole rundown I got you so my major in college was sport management uh, minor business don't use it at all. Probably like majority of people don't use their majors. Um, so transitioning out the NFL was tough. Uh, I attached my identity to football, and so trying to figure out who I am besides football was the hardest part. A um, lot of boredom, a lot of days at home, like everybody else is working, and I'm just sitting around. I felt like I had no skills, and so I was just playing Xbox. Um, but that boredom came in handy because it led me down the path to read more and um, just learn more. And so I just started to uh, educate myself. I educated myself about investing a little bit and that led me down the path to um, real estate. And so right now me and my wife, we're house hacking. If you guys know the term of house hacking, um, we're in a duplex in South Minneapolis and it helps cut down our expenses pretty much in half. And then, um, so continue to work with real estate um, and taking online courses. Uh, fortunately, well, before the pandemic, I, I did my um, personal training certificate because that's like the easiest route to do if you play sports, um, make a little money on the side. Um, so did that, um, starting to take some online courses like affiliate marketing. Do you guys know um, mm-hmm. affiliate marketing? Um, like I said, I got this mic because eventually just starting to, we want to start a podcast. Um, I created a, a personal blog, um, just, just figuring out ways to, there's so many ways to make money in this world. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it just takes consistency and it, it's like a degree, anything you do, like say, if I'm doing affiliate marketing, it's probably going to take four years for me to make a, a good amount of money from it. Um, but I have to just stay consistent. Um, just like you guys doing this podcast, you guys, I don't know how long you guys have been doing this, but the longer you guys do it, the, the more it's going to like the more income you're going to be able to generate from it. And so, um, when I learned that my life just changed, um, I didn't take life as serious. 
um, especially being that we live rent free. Um, that helps. Yeah, that definitely helps. And so just, just trying to learn as much as I can, honestly. Okay. About anything. You excited with, uh, or hoping that something great happens on, on the back end for real estate, you know, being a buyer in this market, you're hoping that some, some prices start dropping. So you start <laughs> yeah. Selfishly I do. Selfishly I do, but we, we're, we're still kind of focused on our plan. So our plan right now is there's, I can get into, I can talk about real estate all day, but you can get into, so we bought this duplex, um, with three or 5% down. Um, and then our next plan is to buy a fourplex for three, 3.5% down. So, um, there's so many creative ways that you can buy places, um, and make money from it and build wealth so fast. Yeah. Equity. Equity. Tell people about equity. So, um, just to give you an example on my deal. So we bought a duplex. It's a little bit equity is a little building equity in a duplex or multifamily is a little bit different than single family. Um, so we bought this place, the rents were way below. So we have a three bedroom side on the other side and the rents were like 1445 and we live in pretty much Edina. So we live almost like a, two blocks from 50th in France. Mm. Okay. And so, um, we can, where they move next month, we're going to raise the rents to $2,000. So now that's an extra, what, I don't know, six, I'm not good at math. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> extra $600. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then this side that we're on, that we're actually living on, um, we started to renovate it a little bit. And yeah, that's how you did the windows? Uh, I'm still doing the windows, man. I just sanded them. <laughs> it's a long process. But um, so the rents on here are super low, too. So we raised these rents to 1900 And so we put all the renovations on a credit card. So the way that when we put it on the credit card, we get all these reward miles. So the reward miles allows us to travel for free anywhere we want to go. Um, we can stay all inclusive and we're not spending any of our money. So put all the money on a rewards card um, and then transfer that balance to a 0% interest card. Year goes, a year goes by, we refinance on our house. We built equity into it by raising the rents and doing some renovations, pull that money out, pay off the credit card, and then use the rest of the equity to fund our next deal. So all in all, we're into this deal with 5% down and then hopefully our next deal will be 3.5% down, but it won't be our money. It'll be the equity built into this house. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. And then it keeps snowballing. Exactly. And that's, that's crazy for like the average person, <clears throat> excuse me, that like will be listening to this and they hear you say all this. And this makes it sound like, oh, he like went to school for realty mm -hmm. or like yeah. went and did all these training courses. Like, no, literally just self-taught. You can go on YouTube and look this up. You can go on wherever and find videos. And it's like having the, taking the initiative. Is that like something you got from football that then you were able to apply to kind of your everyday life of, Hey, if I want this, I got to go get it. Nobody's going to give it to me. Yeah. Like, so earlier I said that I felt like I had no skills after I got done with football. And so it actually, I did have a lot of skills. Um, so taking the initiative, um, being determined, um, being detailed oriented and things like that uh, were the skills that I did have from football that I could transfer over. Um, being able to learn when you're in football, majority, majority of your time is spent in meetings, learning the plays. And so you have to be adaptable. You have to be, you have to be able to be taught. And so <clears throat> doing that and like you said, taking the initiative really helped me. And you can self-teach yourself. You can self-teach yourself if that makes sense, anything. Right. My question on top of that, do you have your real estate license then or do you use a realtor? Uh, I use a realtor. Um, if you 
if anybody's interested in finding uh, a multifamily home, a duplex, triplex, or a single family home, make sure you find a realtor that also invests. You know, I was going to say, because I, I have a whole background we could go off on, you know, off the, the online or the Zoom meeting, but um, I, I do a lot of real estate stuff. And I did all the classes. I learned a lot of things the hard way, paid money to listen to people tell me things I didn't even really need to know. Um, yeah. But through all that, I found out if you pay $500 in the state, it's like a monthly thing, or not monthly, yearly thing. You have access to the MLS. You can check out all your own stuff, and then you can save that 3.2% or 2.7% because it's going to be six. The other person who's got a realtor, they're going to get their cut. But at least mm -hmm. you get to use that, and you could use that money towards negotiations on the house. There's a lot of really cool things you can do with that. But the only problem is you can't buy and sell for other people, but you can buy and sell all your own property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for that's, me, that's all I ever wanted to do anyways. Yeah. So are you doing that right now? Or you know, I've always done that. I, I had a weird inkling when Trump got into the office that a recession was going to happen. Everybody's been talking about it. Um, so I think two years ago, I pulled, I had, I think, four or five properties at the time. I sold them all. And then I bought my wife, wow. what's hopefully going to be her dream house for if we have kids and do that whole thing. That's awesome. And, I, and I've been trying to do that now, but I've been waiting for this recession so I could jump back into the market. <laughs> <laughs> so I see. That's why you asked me that question. Okay, okay. So I, I, I've, been, I've been waiting two years for this thing to happen and, and kind of drop down so I could pounce and try to make some money again. But I, I was really big into real estate. Real estate's been the best way for me to make money. Yeah, I think it's it's a way for anybody um, who comes from little or nothing to build generational wealth. I agree. I agree. And land's going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Every, somebody's gonna need a place to rent forever. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and the new the new the or the younger generation. What are they called? The millennials? Are we technically them? I, the people after us? No. There's there's like two under us. <laughs> We're old now. <laughs> but they don't they don't like owning. They like renting. So I mean it's going to be a come up no matter what for us yeah. for people who are in real estate. Exactly. Um, one more question I got for you is being from Minnesota, were you a big Vikes fan growing up? I, uh, I don't, I don't know if I was like a, a Vikings fan, I, I would say, but I was really a Rams fan. Rams. I like Marshall. Okay. And yeah. Kurt Warner and, and those guys, Tory Holt. Great show on turf. Yeah, the greatest show on turf. He's lying. Um, he got I, that Madden 2001 copy, and ever since seeing Marshall on the cover made him a fan. <laughs> yeah, for sure, <laughs> man. But um, I, I was a, a fan of uh, Randy, of course. Um, I was a fan of uh, Chris Carter. Um, what's his name? Smith, the running back. Robert Smith. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, Dante Culpepper. Um, he's just fun to watch because he could throw it far. <laughs> um but yeah sydney sydney rice was a beast when, when they had brett Favre, when they had ap those guys were ridiculous and it's crazy to, to think that ap's still in the league like wow mm, shit, dude. he's a freak he's an alien he is so do, um, you, do you do anything to give back to like the community or like do you do any football camps or any work with like kids to kind of bring the game to the next generation um, I, I kind of, I'm kind of straying away from football, honestly. Mm. Uh, it, I was so attached to it. Um, my like identity was so attached to it. And I always knew that I really didn't want to just do a camp because it's, e I feel like it's easy to, no disrespect to anybody else, but it's easy to slap together a camp and give somebody a free camp to run around for and 
not really any true knowledge or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, which is still a good deed. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I wanted to give back in a different way. And I think the way that I can give back to people is just, um, I, I told you I started a blog and on my blog, it says everybody deserves to be happy and financially free. You shouldn't have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from. You shouldn't have to worry about if you have a roof over your head. Um, you shouldn't be anxious all day. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't be stressed all the time. You feel me? And there's certain ways and there's certain things that you can do to not feel those ways. And there's certain things that you can do to build wealth um, that we're just, it's not taught in school. And so just making that aware to other people. And then eventually uh, I want to create a course for people who came from nothing similar to me, um, who don't know how to raise their credit score, um, who don't know the path to take, and that's actually going to impact their lives. So that's my goal, my short, long-term goal. That's, yeah, that's dope. What, uh, so you, obviously your blog, where can people find that at? Um, I, I haven't posted on it in a while, but it's Spirify, um, S-P-I-R-I-F-I.com. Okay. Would you ever think about going back and teaching at a school? Maybe NDSU calls you and says, hey, man, I want people to know this class that you're talking about, this course. No, nah, I don't, I, I don't want to be... I don't want to be, I don't want to be on somebody else's time. That's what football taught me. So I don't want to work at a desk job. I don't want to be restricted. I want to just be able to create. I want to be at home. I want to be on my own time. I'm not like a super strict person anymore now that football is over. And so I want to wake up when I want to. I want to start, like, I want to be, I want to do things when I want to. Like when I'm high energy about writing, then I can sit down and write and stop whenever I want to. When I'm high energy about real estate, I can just do it whenever I feel like it rather than when somebody's forcing me to do it and things like that. So you don't want it to feel like a job. Yeah, I don't want a job. And I (laughs) I don't want I don't want a job, a normal job. (laughs) Hey, man, well, I appreciate you talking with us, man. And I hope you'd like to come back on. Maybe we get uh, Marcus Williams on here. You guys could talk about some old stories. Crockett even Crockett's actually coming on the wall. Yeah. So that'd be awesome to get you guys Colvin, everybody yeah that'd be a, yeah. a fun episode for sure we'd love to have yeah, you we'll back be. we appreciate you talking with us and taking the time out of your day man appreciate you guys having me